You're listening to Backstage Pass Podcast, hosted by Hannah Trickwell and brought to you by Thomas. Markus Immersberger, how are you? I'm very good. And it was a really, really good pronunciation. Very good. Well done. I've been worrying about that all day. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I had the same with, with your name as well a little bit, but I guess it's, it's Trickwell? Yes. Perfect. Ah, very good. Yeah. yeah, I wasn't sure. So you work at Sony Music. Tell us what you do there. That's correct. Um, yeah, I'm working at Sony Music Germany. And my role there is uh, being a product manager, which means I'm responsible for setting up, creating and implementing uh, artist campaigns, um, which basically means as soon as an artist releases an album, um, I'm in charge to, uh, charge to come up with ideas for campaigns, uh, coordinate all the different departments within our label um, that we obviously have, like promotion teams, marketing teams, um, and on our sales teams uh, to come up with the best possible setup for our artists and their products. It sounds like a busy job. It actually is, and uh, but the fun part is um, that it's never the same. So because obviously every artist is different, every music is different, and you can't actually come up with blueprints. You can't say, oh, I've done that before, I do it here as well. Should work for this artist as yeah. well. That's not how it works because it's always different. Um, every artist has, how do you say, different needs and, and uh, wants to take different approaches, has different ideas. And that makes it very um, interesting, uh, but also very challenging because you, it's never, you can't, there's never time to breathe. You always have to come up with something new. And Do you get any sleep? I do get <laughs> a lot of sleep, don't worry. <laughs> it's still, it's, it's maybe yeah. not a nine to five job, um, but it's still a regular job, I think. It's always the same when I talk to friends, they always think like, ah, oh, you're always on concerts and you're always like traveling with artists. But basically that's maybe just 15% of the job and the rest is an office job. So it's... Right, yeah. I guess it's a maybe not a normal job, but it's a regular job. <laughs> Do you ever get artists that come to you that have their complete plan laid out and just want to do what they want to do, I guess? Yes, basically most of the bigger artists I'm working with, they normally always already have a setup and plan and an idea and you're just there to kind of implement it into the local market. There's not so much room then to come up with other ideas or your own ideas. It's more about getting everything on the road. When you're working with um, a newcomer artist, they normally, of, of course, are not so experienced Um And there you have more room for creativity and come up with local ideas that might help them within your market. But yes, when you when you work with big artists, especially when you talk about big international artists, there's normally, let's say, 80% of everything is already set up and in plan in place. How does Germany differ for in terms of like if an artist has to change things or, or amend things slightly to be to work well for a German audience? I think a good example could be the, the German radio landscape. Um, if you compare it for the UK, for example, let's say you have a UK artist. In the UK, you more or less have maybe three radio stations that, that matter. Like you have Radio One. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but you have Radio One, you have uh, Capital, right? And you have, what's, what's the third one, yeah. the big one? Yeah. So in Germany, as we have a federalistic um, radio landscape, if you really want to have, let's say, successful, proper airplay like having an airplay hit you need to be played by nearly 50 radio stations 
So that's that's one 50. big fifty, like one uh, five zero. So that's a big difference. Wow. Um, let's say when you want to be like a top ten um, radio hit, then you nearly have to be played by those stations, uh, by all of them. Um, that's for example one thing. So when you want to do radio visits in Germany, it's not done by just traveling to one station. So if they come in our, into our market and they want to do a proper radio visit, then it's more or less. Mm -hmm. Yeah, traveling to the entire country and do at least 10 to 15 visits. So that's a big wow. difference, for example. That's a lot of work for like radio pluggers. Do you, and yes. I'm guessing radio pluggers is a big thing in Germany because of that. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's true. And that's why we normally also divide our teams. Um, every promoter has, uh, has its own stations he's taking care of, obviously, because it's too many stations. In Germany, we don't have so many tastemaker blocks or let's say, block, blocks that really have a massive influence like international ones you have. Um, that's something okay. we don't have in, 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 in Germany, at least not that many and not so many credible ones, which makes it a bigger challenge when you come up with a new artist that might be a little bit cred credible, more credible. There's just limited outlets you can reach out to. And then you need to make sure that yeah. those want to feature your artist. So that's one thing. We are more limited in terms of media outlets than other countries. For me, like I've I've used radio pluggers sometimes, or I've just focused the whole campaign budget around online advertising, um, yeah, and trying different things like that to see what works. But the online advertising thing, especially in social social media, has been a fairly new thing. Is that yes. like a big part of of what you do specifically? Definitely. So one one point you always have to keep in mind when working with a with an artist is we normally try to define the right target group for them, and um, yeah. and this actually gives you kind of a guideline to which media you have to go. And I think it really depends on the genre you're working with. Let's say you're working with a yeah. more sophisticated older rock band, it's definitely more classical media or more classic media. Okay. But when it comes to younger artists, especially hip hop is, I think is a good example and rap music um, is totally different to any other genre. It's very, it's very driven by social media and TikTok and online. Um, you wouldn't, you don't need to have to come up with a print print ad or, or TV, TV appearance for an hip hop rap artist. That's not where the young kids are, you know. So I think it really depends on on the genre you're working, and then on the specific project. It's so individual any project, and also for the, I, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't say there's a blueprint. The labels put way more effort into getting the playlist spots than anything else, or is it kind of even effort to getting it on radio or playlist, or does it depend on the artist? Well, over the last year, it definitely changed. And I would say we are definitely focusing, focusing most on streaming. There are also like projects that may be more driven by radio than others. And some projects are definitely more driven by streaming than others. But I think it's also kind of right to say if you don't get the right playlist ads on Spotify and, and the other partners, then it's very hard to get yeah. to a new level or get a certain kind of success. So, yeah, I think streaming is all over the place already. When I've spoken to radio presenters before, they've kind of said a lot of the 
new additions are sometimes taken from how well they're doing on the streaming platforms. So That's that true. Sense. Same in Germany. So the, the, the radio yeah. stations looking a lot at streaming figures as well. And we can use good streaming, uh, good streaming stats. We can use them as arguments, definitely. And we do. So um, yeah. I think streaming, we call it maybe a streaming first approach is definitely always part of a setup. So you need to be doing good in streaming. Is doing good at streaming essential for a newcomer or are Sony music or majors in, in general still open to taking a risk on a brand new artist that doesn't have a fan base at all? Well, it depends. Some projects are, you're starting from scratch, definitely, right? which is always the hardest to do. But normally when we, when you talk about potential signings, I know that our A&R team is looking very closely on stats and how, how the foundation is an artist already built. And that's a very important aspect, of course, because you can't always sign uh, just just new artists and you always have to start from scratch. That's not possible. It's too much work and the risk would be too high. But I think for certain projects, there might be no fan base, but you still see that's something unique and something very special. And then you still are willing to take the risk. But I think it's it's it doesn't happen so often anymore. Nowadays, artists have so many op opportunities to already build a foundation before even thinking about signing any deal. Do you think that signing to a major label is essential? Oh, that's a good question. Um, it's a hard question, I think, because people there are a lot of people you know nowadays who are who, who are making a living and, and doing music as a career but not signed to a major label. But there is definitely a correlation between very very successful artists commercially successful artists and being supported by a major label yeah i would agree but i think it always also depends on on which in which point of their career they signed to a major label when you look at i don't know i think in the uk it's quite similar when you look at especially the the hip-hop artists at the moment they are always already doing a lot on their own And yeah. building a massive fan base before even thinking about signing a deal. And what is also kind of becoming more common sense is that a lot of artists also sign like only distribution deals, for example, or like say extended distribution deals, yeah. where they get a certain extra kind of promotion within their deal. Um, so there's so many different ways how you can sign to a major label that I, I think it's just a question of what an artist wants and what maybe the best kind of deal would be for him. Not every artist is made for an, for an, uh, for a straight, regular uh, major deal where they get the advanced fee and then that's it. And then we just start working. I think a lot of projects, as I said, are always also very good for, for distribution deals and might be even better fit for them than a regular label deal. It really depends on, I think, on how much an artist can do on their own how much they're willing to do on their own, how much responsibility they and risk they want to take um, and how good their team already is. If they have a team already in place that can handle a lot of stuff for them, then maybe they don't need a full label deal. Maybe they just need a distribution deal or some kind of other deal. But yeah. um, I'm, I still think, especially when it comes to an international point of view, um, that um, when you are signed in the US or UK and you want to be internationally successful, then a major label definitely um, is an advantage because we have all the connections to all the other markets and 
just few indie labels, I think, have the same network. And that's definitely something you can't do on your own. You, you can't have teams around the world and coordinate everything on your own when it comes to a global scale. I think that's not possible. I mean, think about, I don't know, something like Ed Sheeran and think about them doing everything on their own globally. That would be like, I don't know, killing <laughs> I mean, everybody. You'd have, have, you'd have to have a company that employed hundreds of people. That's right? what I mean. So and that's what so the major label in is. In a way, it would be your own independent major label. <laughs> I guess that's what you can call it. Yeah. Yeah. So I say, yeah. especially when it comes to a global scale, I think a major is still something valuable for artists and can provide a lot of mm. support. Um, I don't know. How is it in the UK? I guess a lot of artists are also doing, I don't know, when it comes to their own market, their domestic market, I guess there are a lot of artists, they do it on their own and then just start signing to a label when it comes to like spreading like outside of the own territory, right? Traditionally, it was it was always signed to a major label or it's over kind of thing. Um, and I know a lot of musicians who are independent and who some of them who are independent who are building things up with the hopes of signing to a major label and some of them who are building things up with not necessarily the hopes of signing to a major label but just to build their own career, their own their own yeah. way and their own team. From the experiences of my friends who who are signed to major labels, it's very much like what you say, they've they've built up a fan base and a reputation and a and um and have honed their craft and stuff to a certain point where then a major label has approached them about, you know, investing yeah. in them and taking their career to the next level. I, I mean I ha I hate that phrase, the next level. But that's yeah kind of what it means right and so I just think there's loads of different ways to do it now which is great because it's easier than ever to make music more people than ever are making music at home and in the bedrooms and yeah but I think that's also the, the beauty of of the business nowadays that artists get more opportunities to do a lot of stuff on their own and yeah don't need at least don't need a label to get started do the publishers get involved much in the like product campaign itself they're not part of the actual setup when we come up with a campaign but when it for example comes to to sync deals or something like that then definitely we have to also like get in touch with them and but for the regular campaigns normally no it sounds like there's a lot of people to get ideas through um yes it it, it can be frustrating a lot of times <laughs> And it happens a lot of times that you come up with, you think, um, um, a really great idea and you're already like, yeah, that's it. And oh, we have to do that. And then <laughs> you just put it in front of your colleagues or all the artists, uh, their management camp. And then you're like, ah, no, they don't want to do that. Or like, ah, that's not, no, we don't think that works. Um, yeah, but I think that's also why it's very important that you have in the beginning, you have to get to know your artist. And when you're just like one market, let's say Germany, even if it's a big market and you say, ah, I have this special idea for the campaign, then you need to get the attention of them first. Then if management likes it, they normally put it in front of the artist, and then you still need to get the artist's attention. And I'm pretty sure as soon as a new record is about to come out and all the like the, all the machines begun to run, um, begin to run, then I'm pretty sure the schedule of a big artist is very, very tight as well and very full. But I think it's part of the part of the job 
you need to be persistent and uh, you need to be aware that a lot of stuff you might have, uh, you might want to do or you might have in, in your head what, what could work for your market might not happen. How do you be persistent without being... Annoying. Annoying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think you can be persistent when you... When, when you know that your idea or your plan you came up with definitely fits the artist's profile and everything he stands for, I think then you can be persistent because then it's more about being convincing. But that's also why we have a team and we're deciding as a team if something is good or not good. So it's there's already a certain evaluation going on before putting it in front of a management camp. Um, and then it's also always like um, a thing of how good is your relationship with a camp? Definitely. Are you working with them since years? Then it's different because then they trust you more than if it's like the first campaign and they don't know you. Um, yeah, that definitely plays a role. If you have an idea that's like a visual idea, like a um, an image or a a video of something yeah. that they've done that's, that just needs to be repackaged, or is that something that you make yourself, or do you? Yeah. Do you do you actually are you like super hands on with the creative side of it? Definitely. So there's there's um, with international artists there's like also a lot of creatives are being provided by by the artist camp or the the repertoire owner, uh, the other Sony territories. Um, but we're also creating local um, uh, content pieces. That's definitely part of adjusting a campaign into the local market. Um, yeah, and then normally before we start creating them. Uh, we come up with a with a with a small briefing that we put in front of the artists to let them know what we want to do, just to make sure that it's something they can they are comfortable with. And then we come up with a first, yeah. I guess you would call it a mock-up or how long does it take to come up with a campaign for like a whole album? Well it actually depends most of the time it depends how how much uh, time we get from them because it's like um as I said when you're working with a domestic artist you are involved from a much earlier point on um, you're involved in the project so you might already be involved when it comes to creating the music in the nr process and then you can develop the campaign from there when we're talking about an international project that's being rolled out globally normally you you when you're lucky you get you get a notification by i don't know let's say six months ahead, six months ahead maybe you get the first songs right. to listen to maybe the album is not even fully produced yet. Um, and then that's the ideal scenario, you know, that you have a few months of lead time, getting comfortable with the music, get to know what the artist, what's the background of the, of the, of the album, of the campaign, the artist. Um, but it also can happen that you get a note that says, yeah, there's this new album. It's coming out in four weeks and yeah, go. And then you're like, okay. <laughs> it's like, wow. it, it really depends. Uh, but normally we have, pretty good lead times that give us a lot of room right. to come up with a good campaign. Um, yeah, but the bigger, as again, the bigger the artist gets, the less lead time you get normally because everything is very, mm. uh, how do you say, confidentially and they just wait until the right moment to roll out certain information so there are no leaks. Artists are releasing music more it seems to be more regular now yeah. than ever before like a couple of albums in a year sometimes is that super challenging for 
the people behind the scenes like you who are product managers trying to create the campaigns and then all of a sudden there's a new album? Uh, it's definitely a bigger workload um, since, as you say, it's more and more music coming. Uh, the frequent, frequent, do you say frequent that the music is being released on is much higher. Um, but I think artists have to do that um, because there's so much music coming out all the time that if you're not keeping up with it, people forget about you. It takes so much longer to, yeah, yeah, to, to win over fans, like, like really winning them over. Like also, yeah, that's the artist. I know the song and I know who wrote the song and I know who sang the song. And I, I not only know the song, but I also know the title and the artist behind it. It takes much longer to get to this point nowadays. Um, yeah. And I think if you just don't keep releasing music, People will forget about you if you're not already established, obviously. But to establish artists to a certain point, it just takes more effort and more music. I've heard the argument that with everyone trying to produce more and more music, that at some point it's going to get to the stage where there's just so much music every day that the audience just won't really care as much. What do you think about that? That's actually a good good, uh, good argument or a good question. Um I think yeah it is scary, scary definitely world. and I think that's the challenge of nowadays and I think it's happening already um I mean if you look at let's say Thursday or Friday releases it's just I mean just one label is releasing I don't know 10 or 20 songs a week and that's just major labels you know yeah. so um yeah. I think that the biggest challenge nowadays is uh, getting attention and the way you get attention is through playlists, like streaming playlists, Spotify, Apple Music, and so on. Uh, so that's a big challenge. You need to be in the right playlists um, so that people or even get the chance to listen to your music. If you're not on a playlist, the chance is very low that people are even able to listen to your music. It's just too much music out mm -hmm. there. It feels like the turnover is so fast now and yeah. people's attention span is... Not not necessarily shorter in that period of time, but you know, a lot of playlists are updating every every week or every two weeks, and so it's like even if you do get that good spot in that playlist, then the next week it might be have dropped out of the playlist, yeah, and definitely, and then you just have to start all over again. <laughs> That's true, but I think the good side of it is that I think music has to have a certain quality again. Because otherwise it will not get it will not get playlisted and people will not listen to it. The good thing about nowadays is that the people decide what they want to listen to. You can't force them to listen to anything. I mean, I can even have like a top ten airplay hit. If they don't like the song, they're not going to stream it. But obviously, yeah. you also need to get the chance to discover it. That's true. But as soon as you get the chance to discover it, it's pretty. It's happening pretty fast. You can see it within one week if the song is being picked up by the audience at least to a certain point of streams or if it has a certain organic drive. With songs that get picked up slightly late or like, you know, a song that gets picked up after it's been out for a while and more singles have come out since, but that song all of a sudden is doing super well. Do artists ever go back to that song and just do a, another campaign around that song? Sometimes that happens. I think TikTok is a very good phenomenon when it comes to that because sometimes, I mean, there's so much music out there as we know, and sometimes just 
there are a lot of songs that are not being playlisted by streaming services because it's not brought to their attention or the labels didn't even know about the songs or whatever. And then, uh, I mean, you know, suddenly a song peaks up in, in, a, in a chart, I don't know, TikTok charts, Spotify charts, or certainly you see streams going through the roof to a certain point. And that just happens because suddenly it gets picked up by kids and gets an organic drive through TikTok, for example. It happens a lot of times on TikTok. And then you're standing there and like, oh, what happened? And then you're like, okay, maybe we should pay more attention to this song now as it got a certain organic drive. But also a lot of times it's just um, just for a certain amount of time. It's just reaching a certain peak and then it's just going down again. Um, the question always is how sustainable is the organic drive? Is it just a certain amount of people that just, ah, yeah, we like the song and there's a, I don't know, organic TikTok phenomenon going around and then it dies again? Or is it something that keeps on growing, viral, it becomes like a viral trend? That's the difference. Mm. So TikTok's like a short form. There are other short form apps, but I feel like that's the most popular one right now. Is is TikTok something that labels are putting a lot of effort into in terms of like a campaign? Yeah, definitely. So it's getting more and more in the, in the center of attention. Um, but also there, it really depends on the, on the target group and if you which kind of target group you want to reach or ex, ex, oh, expand yeah. to because it's a it's obviously a very young driven platform with very young people on it um yeah i wouldn't say i would do a tiktok campaign for led zeppelin record but when it comes to rap music for example <laughs> you never know you, of course you never know i would be happy if more young people uh, listen to led zeppelin <laughs> but how did you get into being a product manager maybe i followed kind of the boring classic approach um i studied media management uh which is already like i don't know 10 years ago um, and then I started, while I was studying, um, I did an internship with Sony in the international department right. back then. And um, then was a working st uh, student um, and then was lucky to get offered a job, um, well, basically my current position, and then started working yeah, as a product manager. It's a quite boring way of getting into the job. But yeah, that's how it happened. <laughs> Yeah, I, had, well, I don't. Must, I don't. It's have, a cool job. It sounds like a cool job. It's definitely a cool job, and it's not boring. Um, yeah, it's uh, that's what I like about it. And you, you're working a lot with people, and that's what I love. And um, I think working with artists is not only working with people. It's special because artists are special people. I think it's like their minds work differently, and um, sounds negative, but there's so many egos you have to handle within this business in the in this position. Oh, yeah. If it's, it yeah. could be your colleagues, could be, it's definitely the artist, it's the management, it's your colleagues from other territories. And the, I don't know, the media partners can be divas as well. So, <laughs> no, but um, I think you've got to have some level of ego as a performer or just to be in the industry. You've got to definitely. have some, even if it's a little one, you've got to have like a, a solid ego going you need to have an ego to play in a stadium i don't know in front of ten thousands of people that's not something everybody can do or even play in front of 100 people you need to be made for this it's just i couldn't do it so do you ever work with people who you really don't like their music uh i'm lucky it only happened once but i will not tell you which right. band it was <laughs> I no can't. you don't need to no you don't need to tell me <laughs> 
<laughs> no, I don't expect you to tell me. I just, I wonder how, does that make it difficult? I think of it, I mean, normally the It's artists, subjective, isn't it, music? It is, that's the point. Um, and I, I think it's fair to say when you, let's say, you're working for an artist that has been your idol for decades and you're lucky enough to work for them now, then it's definitely totally different and you have maybe more ideas and you're just super enthusiastic about it. Um, and when you're working with somebody or like the music that maybe you don't identify yourself with and it's not maybe the one, the music you listen to normally and maybe you don't like it that much, you might not come up with the same ideas, but it's definitely uh, still something where you can, up, can put together a solid concept and a proper campaign. Yeah. Because that's the job you have to do and you have to do it for all the artists. And as you say, it's subjective. So it's the artists you like more, music there's you like more, there's music you don't like that much. But that's also why we normally have obviously different product managers and we try to arrange it in a way that they have to work with music they like and they maybe have their, their specialized on. So if we have somebody who's really into urban music, then he should work probably more urban music than rock music. Obviously. Yeah, that makes sense. And that's how we do it. So normally it's, so the chances that you, that you uh, have to work with an artist or music you don't like, is, it's not that high. As an independent artist, I look at, you know, how well my songs are doing and things like that and analytics. Mm -hmm. and, and I am aware of that. Um, but because my focus is on consistently producing music sometimes I find it difficult as just one person so I, I've I have a distribution deal with absolute and we collectively look at how well previous singles have done but there's only so much me and my label manager there can do there's only so much time we have so it's like oh how well did it did you uh, okay next one um is kind of retrospectively looking back at how well previous singles have done and how well previous campaigns have done, is that something that major labels spend a lot of time doing to inform future campaigns? Definitely. Um, it's a very important part, actually. So it always happens when you have, um, say you have an artist that already released one or two albums and there's about the next album campaign to start. Um, you right away look at how was the la how have the last records been doing? I mean, that's one important point to even be able to forecast the project. Mm. I mean, you need to set certain goals for the project. and Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And depending on those goals, you have different budgets you can work with. And that's already one point where it's important to look back and, and see how previous campaigns did. When it, it For certain projects, we even run uh, entire, uh, how do you say, studies to get a better idea of how they did. Um, oh, wow. But that's expensive. Um, so we just do it for several projects. Um, it's, it gets, I didn't know that. It, it gets very techy, I think, when it comes to analytics nowadays. It doesn't sound very romantic when it, when it come, when it, everything is going to be broken down to numbers, but it helps a lot to get a better idea mm. of the potential for a new record. But, I mean, you can listen to a new record and then you can say, yeah, sounds cool, sounds better than the last one, but, I mean, that's so... That's... There's no statistic behind that. That's just your feeling. Um, yeah. And you should at least try to combine this feeling with some numbers, which brings brings me to a problem when we have a newcomer artist. So first music, first record out. 
there's no benchmark. So you have mm. to set one. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So that's the difficult part when you start working with an artist. Building the story is always more difficult than working with a triple A name. I mean, everybody like that. The attention is much bigger than everybody knows the artist. Oh, yeah, we should work with the artist. That's that's triple A. So, but yeah, starting from scratch is the most difficult part. But then I guess that's where the promotion starts. I mean, that's what we should be doing. Well, I'm glad you say that you do that at Sony Music because I didn't know if labels still did that and still took the chance on somebody who just, you know, is a, is a newcomer and, and just has a great song. So sometimes I see people, if they're, you know, playing on the street or whatever and or, they, or they're a smaller artist online and they don't have much of a following yet, but yeah. they've got an amazing song. And I always think, is one great song enough from somebody who doesn't have a fan base? It can be, for sure. It depends on the song. Maybe a good example I like to to um, to come up with is um, maybe you know Tash Sultana. She started on this. Yes. Yeah, you know her. So big fan of um, Tash Sultana. Yeah. Yeah, I worked with her from the with her from the uh, beginning in Germany, and maybe you know her history. She started like playing on the streets, and then she yeah. had she started like uploading her her music, like she called it bedroom sessions, to YouTube, and then there was this one song Jungle that just got viral. It was just one song. Um, and kicked off her career. On the back of this song, her whole career developed because it got viral globally. And she is a real, how do you say, let's say an artist project. It's not only about certain tracks. It's a real, it's the full package. Like it's about the entire music, the the concept, her as an artist, as a human being, everything counts. And because um, around the globe, people yeah. started falling in love with her as an artist. And then, I mean, what else can you dream of? That's the best possible scenario to start working with an artist when you have this organic yeah. organic support happening Tash Sultana she signed to Sony in Australia then. that's correct well I think um, I'm not familiar with the details but she has her own label in in Australia which I think is is kind of a some kind of distribution deal with Sony but licensed okay. globally to to all the other Tetris I think I think she's a very good example for an for a big independent artist who's using also the power of major labels, but also keeping a certain amount of, how do you say, indiness. <laughs> like she's she's indie, yeah. but also also major at the same time. Um, she's not selling it's out. It's like Passenger, <laughs> isn't it? Like Passenger yeah. licensed his his hit song, didn't he? And I I I can Im I could imagine that those kind of deal structures might be more common within the future for artists mm -hmm. that have the opportunity to at least reach a certain amount of success on their own with the right people around yeah. them, like Tash Sultana. I mean, you always also have to be lucky to get in touch with the right team then. I mean, I know that Tash has her own team and in Australia and obviously it seems like the right people as she's very successful. Um, but that's also a very important thing. Definitely. So I have... Two questions to ask yes. you to end. The first one is, what is your track of the week? My track of the week? Boy, now you're having me. It's like, uh, <laughs> my track, you mean new re new releases? Uh, just the track that you love, that you've got on repeat. 
I'm actually listening a lot to Melody Gardot at the moment. And there's okay. one track I have, I have to, I would have to look it up because I'm always forgetting the, the title of the track. Even I have listened to it a hundred times, I think. Um, but she's definitely an artist I, I listen to lo uh, a lot to at the moment. What kind of genre is it? Uh, it's jazz. It's oh, nice. with, with certain pop attitudes, I guess. My final question is, what is the best lesson that you've learned so far in your career? That's a good question. Um, so the best lesson I've learned, I think it's um, honesty. It sounds, might sound weird for the music business, but I think honesty <laughs> can help you a lot. Like um, just be transparent and share honest feedback on, on music and, and campaigns. And, and when you talk to artists, um, I think it doesn't help anyone if you, if you, I mean, what is it if, if you have an artist and you say, oh, you're so great. It's everything you do is amazing. And it's obviously not true. Then it's not helping anyone. So, but also the other way around, you shouldn't be, shouldn't be trash talking about anything. It's just, just be, have an honest ex conversation about stuff, like be transparent. Yeah, that, that's it. Not, no bullshit talk. No, tr no, not, don't try to find any excuses. Just if there's a problem or a challenge, just address it. The most growth comes from honesty in the end, even though it might be painful <laughs> initially. Yeah. But yeah. And, and if you want to build a longer and long-term relationship with, with anyone in the business, I think you should try to do it that way because then they know they can count on you. You're not talking any bullshit. It's just, it's, it's that easy. It's that simple. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks so much for talking to me today. It was today. a pleasure, Hannah. I hope you have a good day. And you too. Yeah, it's been, it's been great speaking to you. Likewise. It was lovely. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to this episode. Be sure to hit subscribe and leave a comment to let us know what you think. And I will see you next time on Backstage Pass.